Good morning, I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. It's day 354 of our three-year journey through God's Word, and we are in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for another opportunity to spend time together in your Word. Thank you that you are our God and our Father, faithful and true. Thank you that your word is unfailing and that it is full of the words of life and full of Christ and full of wisdom for us. Give us wisdom. Teach us how to walk in your ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me... In the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound." Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself." Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which do no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house. There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after 
being captured by him to do his will. That is 2 Timothy 2. Wonderful passage, just so full of great stuff. So Paul is facing death. He's in prison. He's in chains. He knows the word of God is not bound. He's leaving this final charge to his young pastoral apprentice, the man who's pastoring probably in Ephesus at this time, Timothy. And he wants him to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You see, we cannot strengthen ourselves by our own good works. We cannot be strengthened by anything other than the grace of God, and that grace of God is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not just something we receive from Christ Jesus our Lord, but it is found in Christ Jesus our Lord, as we heard Sunday in our sermon. But 2 Timothy 2.2, I have to say, this is the, the mission verse of reaching Africa's unreached, my good friend Jacob Lee, and I think of him whenever I think of this verse, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is the principle of discipleship multiplication. So you receive teaching, you need to pass that teaching on to faithful men who will then in turn teach others also. And just last week, there was a great example of this through the ministry of Reaching Africa's Unreached. One of my dear brothers there, Joshua Abraham, has come to several of the teachings. I think he's been there pretty much every time I've been there, maybe except once. I've been there five times. And he's an eager student. He's a helpful translator into Arabic. He's from the Darfur region in, in Sudan. And he is a faithful brother in the Lord. And he's received truth through Reaching Africa's Unreached from Jacob Lee and from the little bit that God's used my teaching in his life and the resources that we've given him. And he's taken that back to the Bitty Bitty Refugee Camp, which is the largest refugee camp in Africa. And he's trained and taught other men. And just last week, a group of 26 men had gone through a course of study with Joshua Abraham. And now they're going to go out and they're going to teach others. And this is the the principle of discipleship multiplication. God blessed Jacob Lee and blessed me, and we were able to bless Joshua Abraham, and now he blesses these 26 men, and these 26 men are going to go out and bless others. And that's the way the gospel spreads. And I love seeing that worked out through the ministry of reaching Africa's unreached. And I know I don't I don't ever do this on these devotionals, but it is getting to be year-end time. And I'll just make a quick plug that if you are looking for ministries to support with year-end giving, Reaching Africa's Unreached is a faithful ministry that is doing the work of 2 Timothy 2.2, and God is bringing fruit from their faithful work. And so I commend them to you as a good place to invest for kingdom returns. We are pleased to partner with them at Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. You can find them online at reachingafricasunreached.org. They also have a very active Facebook presence, Reaching Africa's Unreached. Anyway, so so this is what we're supposed to do. We're all supposed to do it, not just Joshua Abraham and the Bitty Bitty Refugee Camp, but we're all supposed to do it. We're supposed to take the things we've learned and teach them to others who can then teach them to others. And while we do that, we should expect something in the Christian life, and that is suffering. If you're going to really follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're going to be a good soldier of Christ Jesus, you are going to suffer because you're going to belong to a kingdom that is not of this world. You are going to be loyal to a king who does not hold elected office in this world. 
you are not going to get entangled in civilian pursuits, that is in worldly affairs, to be involved in controversies and disputes. You are going to be focused on King Jesus, his kingdom, his gospel, his church, with a relentless passion, and the world won't like you because they can't use you for their ends, and so you will suffer. Satan will come after you, your flesh will rage against you, the world will reject you, and so we are supposed to share in suffering. We look at our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church around the world, and we in America have great freedoms compared to many people in the persecuted church. So we should share by praying for them, by supporting them, by encouraging them, by equipping them. But we should also follow their example of being bold enough that we would stand out, not for political, cultural reasons, but for faithful, doctrinal, gospel reasons, that we would speak the truth in love, and that we would be faithful to the Lord who sends us. And if we do so, God will bless that. God will bless that for the furtherance of his gospel and for his kingdom. And even if, like Paul says, I'm suffering, I'm bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Even if we individually suffer and are ostracized and are persecuted and are rejected, the word of God goes forward. The word of God spreads. The word of God multiplies. And more and more people come. And this wonderful uh, call in verses um, 11 to 13 is, is kind of misunderstood a lot. So I want to just spend a couple of minutes looking at this. The saying that is trustworthy. This might have been a creed or a hymn, probably a hymn that was being sung in the early church. If we've died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Now, many people have misunderstood, misinterpreted the last line. Almost to excuse faithlessness among Christians and to say it doesn't really have any consequences. To say, well... You know, if we're faithless to Christ, he's going to stay faithful to us anyway. That is not really what it's saying. It's saying if we are faithless to the gospel, Jesus is faithful to the gospel. Now, certainly we sin and he forgives and his grace is far greater than our sin. Where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. But you can't, what I hear, the way I hear this taught sometimes, another way to put it is, some people take the fourth line in this faithful saying and use it to nullify the third line. Because the third line says, if we deny him, he also will deny us. So they say something like this. If you came to faith in Jesus Christ as a young person, let's say at the age of 12, you walked an aisle, you prayed a prayer, you joined a church, but then in college, you walked away from the Lord, you were unfaithful, and when you're 28 years old, you're denying Christ, you don't follow him anymore. Some people say, well, even though you're faithless, God's going to remain faithful. He's going to remain faithful to the salvation he gave you when you were 12 years old, and you'll be okay. No. I'm sorry, that's not biblical doctrine. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. We believe in a doctrine that's sometimes called the perseverance of the saints, that those who believe in Jesus Christ and who have received true salvation from him will persevere in saving faith 
until we see Jesus face to face. Another way to put it is that saving faith is a gift from God and that God's gifts and God's calling is irrevocable. If he gives us the gift of saving faith, he's going to keep us in that faith until the end. If someone walks away from Christ, denies the faith, and becomes an unbeliever, then they show that they didn't have saving faith to begin with. It, the doctrine is the perseverance of the saints, not the perseverance of the ain'ts. And if you ain't got no faith in Jesus, you ain't never been a saint. That's truth. And for that person, that's why Jesus says in Matthew 18, if someone is unresponsive to a call to repentance, you need to treat them as an unbeliever. Because really what they're showing is that they never really believed in Christ to begin with. So we are to remind people of these things. And we are to charge them before God to stay faithful to the gospel. Part of what it means to stay faithful to the gospel is not to quarrel about words, which does no good but only ruins the hearers. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't care about doctrine, because we do care about doctrine. Doctrine is very important. You see, there is irreverent babble. There is false doctrine that spreads like gangrene. Called out in verse 17 are Hymenaeus and Philetus. They have swerved from the truth. They have said that the resurrection has already happened. They're upsetting the faith of some. You see, doctrine matters. There is gospel doctrine that is vital to salvation. If you deny that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the one and only from the Father, the Word of God incarnate, all the things we talked about on Sunday, if you deny those things, you're not a believer. And if you teach those things, you're drawing people away from the faith. So also here, if you teach the resurrection has already happened. Some people embrace a, a, a false doctrine called preterism. And full preterism teaches that Jesus came again in AD 70 when he judged Jerusalem and destroyed it. And that's when all of the prophecies in the Bible were fulfilled. And there's no more second coming of Jesus to look forward to because he already came back in AD 70 when he judged and destroyed Jerusalem. That is a false doctrine. That is upsetting the faith of some because it's leading them astray into denying an essential of the faith. The essentials of the faith are generally those things which are summarized in the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, those things that are vital, the doctrine of the Trinity, the deity of Christ, his atoning death and, and bodily resurrection, his, his present reign, his coming return, the spiritual unity of all believers, the forgiveness of sins that is found in Jesus Christ alone. These things are un deniable, non-negotiable essentials of the faith. So when Paul says, don't quarrel about words, he's not talking about that. He's talking about, there was these trends in the early church to talk about whether or not you could name certain angels or whether or not you could include certain words in your prayers that would have them have more powerful spiritual effect or, um, you know, petty things, things that just don't matter or things that are such a distraction that they lead people astray, we need to not have anything to do with those things. What should we do instead? Well, we should remember that God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. The Lord has sealed, has saved, has sanctified those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So if the Lord knows you and you're his, 
That's not a call to complacency. It's a call to pursue purity. And when you think about that, you realize that impurity would make you not fit for any honorable use. And so whatever impurity there is in doctrine, in life, sin that needs to be repented of, faithlessness that needs to be turned away from, suffering that needs to be endured, is what is given by God. We need to depart from iniquity. We need to seek the Lord to be to be set apart, to be holy, to be useful to the master, to be ready for every good work. What does that look like? Well, what it looks like in verse 27, no, 22, sorry, my eyeballs is not as good as they used to be. Verse 22 says, we flee youthful passions and we pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So much of life is about what are you really pursuing? So, so let me ask you, what are you pursuing? If I could be honest with you, Bennett, when you get up in the morning and you think about what's in your day, what are you chasing? What do you want in life? What drives you? What motivates you? More money? The next vacation? More stuff? More influence? More power? More prestige? A better reputation? A higher position in your company? What drives you? The things of the world and the things of the flesh are specifically called out in 2 Timothy 2 as things that we need to turn our backs on. And instead, we are to pursue, this is a strong verb, we are to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Doesn't that sound like the fruit of the Spirit? Yeah, Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit. That's four of them anyway. We need the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We need faith in Jesus Christ. We need love for Jesus and for all of his people. We need the peace of God that transcends all all understanding. We need to pursue these things. So we need to make them the priorities of our day, which they're found in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. And so if you're going to do that, you have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies and quarrels. You don't, you're not quarrelsome, but you're patiently teaching everyone. You're correcting people. You're praying for them, but you're not getting bogged down. Sometimes I do fall into the trap of getting bogged down in controversial quarrels with people who don't understand the Bible and who are twisting it, and I can get caught up in it a little bit too much. And God's calling me here to say, Jason, set those things aside and seek the Lord and pursue him. What is he calling you to lay aside so that you can more wholeheartedly pursue Jesus Christ and his call on your life. Let's go hard after him today because he's given himself for us. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, thank you for giving your son for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for leaving heaven and coming to earth and laying down your life and bearing our sin on the cross and conquering sin and death. Thank you for all that you've done for us and for our salvation. And now you call us to run after you to follow in your footsteps, to share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, to not get tangled up in civilian affairs, not to get distracted by quarrels over controversies, but rather to pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, to pursue you, Lord. Captivate our hearts today by your grace and give us the pursuit of you by your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Amen. That is 2 Timothy chapter 2. Love it. Hope you enjoyed it too. Tomorrow, Mike will be back teaching and he's going to be taking us back to the book of Judges. Hope you can join him for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.